Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hey everybody, good morning. Thank you so much for joining me on this Sunday morning edition of Down to Earth. It's the show in which we talk about the issues that matter. And today being Sunday, we talk about faith and its impact on our lives. And this is particularly poignant because today is the 4th of October. So we're four days into October, which means there are less than 30 days to the elections, the November general elections, and the president of the United States has the coronavirus. We first received this report of his diagnosis uh, late Friday night, late, early Friday morning, rather, so late Thursday, at one o'clock in the morning when all of us, most of us were asleep. And ever since then, it's been a hailstorm of people suddenly testing positive. Chris Christie tested positive. Three members of the Senate tested positive. Uh, Kellyanne Conway tested positive. Of course, the first one we had heard about was Hope Hicks. And a lot of questions around whether or not the president was in fact positive when he met with Joe Biden at the debate on Tuesday night, that they knew about it and they didn't tell anyone. They also did not wear masks. For some reason, the folks with the president himself and around him seem to think they're made of Teflon. They're so invincible that the virus won't affect them. And it raises a lot of questions about the credibility of their reporting. Is he really sick? I don't know, because I've never, I've not seen anyone who has had the coronavirus, who reports chills and fevers, who is able to talk and tweet videos from their hospital beds. Typically when people are hospitalized, they are under watch and they don't, they're not allowed visitors and they're certainly not allowed recording mechanisms. Now, I know it's the president and that there are different protocols, but it is beginning to make me wonder, does he really have the coronavirus? Was this a stunt to get into the, to, to receive or try out some sort of experimental drug? The drug that he's receiving is made by a company called Regeneron and that particular drug was first used to test on Ebola and for people with hepatitis C. In both cases, it failed. And from what other medical professionals have said, they doubt that it is effective against the coronavirus. So it depends on uh, which way you look at it. It, it. The credibility had some issues there. There are some issues there with the credibility of the reporting. There are some issues there with how did he have it from before? Because it doesn't seem like for him to end up in the hospital by Friday afternoon, doesn't sound like you just discovered the diagnosis overnight. You must have had some serious symptoms prior to, at least 48 hours prior to. And then yesterday, when his doctor was giving um, an update to the nation after everyone started pushing for an update, and finally, the doctor said, well, it's been 72 hours since his diagnosis. The White House then walked that back and said, no, he was actually just diagnosed Friday, not 72 hours. So there's a whole lot of confusion around, it, none of which we know for sure. So I believe that the next 48 hours will be critical. Typically, when someone goes into the hospital for coronavirus, the first four to five days are the most important. It depends on your body. You were born with a great immune system. If you have a will to live and what God's plans are for you, quite frankly. 
it seems to me that uh, the president had certain pre-existing conditions, like most Americans who fall ill to this virus. We had pre or what they call comorbidities, where you either had high blood pressure, diabetes, or obesity, high cholesterol, those kinds of issues. And those issues are contributing factors to coronavirus. If you have any kind of, if you ever smoked, or if maybe you didn't know you had something wrong with your lungs, and suddenly the coronavirus becomes an issue for you. So we got to be careful about what is going on. And it, it has sort of thrown the whole system of governance into crisis because he had, didn't transfer power, even though he's hospitalized, he didn't transfer power, at least not publicly, to the vice president. So who is really in charge? The White House wants us to think that the president is in command. How can you be in the hospital and be in command? How can you have the coronavirus where you are sedated and anesthetized for hours, but you're in command? Who has the nuclear codes? These are all relevant questions. The elections are going to proceed because constitutionally, it's been four years since the last election. So they have to go on and nobody can stop that. <laughs> so the elections will proceed as it should. Bully to the guy, one of the guys on there who is not on the ticket or who's, you know, but whether you like it or not. But the whole thing surrounds the credibility. But you know what strikes most of us about this? Typically when a president uh, falls ill or something happens to the commander in chief, Everyone is falling over themselves, wishing him well. Not so much this time, because this is a president who has gone on the record to refer to the coronavirus as a hoax. He has made light of the fact that 209,000 Americans have died. He has made light of the fact that over 7 million Americans have contracted the virus. He has laughed at people wearing masks. In fact, he made fun of Joe Biden in a mask on Tuesday night at the debate. He said Joe Biden wears the biggest mask he has ever seen that covers up most of his fate and calls him hiding Biden. Imagine that. He makes fun of people wearing masks. He requires that around him no one wears a mask. Almost, and you have to wonder about the people around him. Are they afraid of him? Does he have some kind of special powers that you are so afraid of him that no one, everyone takes their masks off when they're approaching the White House? Even if they have it on prior to, they take it off. I don't know that I could be in that environment because I'm not taking my mask off and I'm not shaking hands with anybody. I'm not embracing anyone or taking my mask off for nobody. So I probably would not be considered culturally viable or socially viable in that situation because I'm not going to take my mask off knowing that a virus is rampant out there. And from that event in the White House Rose Garden last week, at least seven to nine people, I think they now say 25 people, have now emerged as positive out of that cluster. You've got to ask yourself about, are people really responsible at that level? It's one thing for you to say, well, journalistic integrity doesn't exist or, or so on, but we need integrity from our leaders as well. We need them to tell us what is going on and what is happening to the country right now. Who has the nuclear codes? Who is in charge of the government? 
tell the public that you transfer the power to Mike Pence in the event that you can't talk. So we feel assured that someone is in charge. It doesn't make you look bad. It just makes us feel that you are capable and culpable and accountable to the people who voted for you that you are going to make the best decision for them at this time while you are incapacitated. I don't understand this shroud of secrecy. Uh, He's the president. He's the ultimate public figure. There's no secrecy in anything around him because everything that he does impacts the decisions that he makes, thereby impacting the lives of people in America. So I don't get this uh, shroud of secrecy you gave that up when you came, when you ran for public office and the highest public office in the land. But the critical question has to be, what's going to happen next? What will the next 48 hours bring? Frankly, I wait with a bated breath. Just yesterday, I found myself waiting to hear what his doctors would have to say. And today, I'm kind of like in stress mode. Uh, I'm kind of like, you know what? Anything is going to happen at this point. Any kind of game can play, because I don't understand the cover-up over his disease process. As far as I know from reading about disease processes, this is not, his behavior is not typical of anyone undergoing any course of treatment with the coronavirus. Nobody's getting up and walking around, making phone calls, and so on. Most people who end up in the hospital by now, they're dropped. Not only do they have uh, blood oxygen levels issues, but they are simply flat out on their on their face on their backs. <laughs> By the time the rel- your relatives the relatives take them to the hospital, it's over. They're up and walking around maybe when they're at home, but when you get that sick that you have to be taken to the hospital, it's usually over. So I fail to understand this preoccupation with projecting an image of resolve and projecting an image that you don't appear to be weak, why? You ignored the coronavirus to the detriment of everybody. You ignored it, you called it a hoax. You made fun of people who contracted the virus. Right now, people are homeschooling children. Children are at home studying with an earphone in their heads and watching a computer screen for seven hours a day because of the coronavirus, because you took the coronavirus as a China joke, made it a joke on Chinese Americans, made it a joke on the Chinese people at large. And now here we are, excuse me, and now here we are right smack in the midst of the president of the United States being sick from the coronavirus and God help us all. We can only hope that Russia despite paying attention, is not planning to do something or, you know, North Korea, China or somebody getting some idea in their heads or Iran or somebody thinking now is a good time to see who has the nuclear codes or something. (laughs) We certainly hope that that's not going to be the issue. But what is the issue is what will the president do when he comes out of this? If he comes out of this, what will happen in the next 48 hours? Today is Sunday, so this Sunday, 48 hours from now, will be Tuesday morning. What will happen? Is the president going to walk right out of Walter Reed Hospital, right onto the front lawn of the White House, and say, all is well? He got a 74-year-old man, got the coronavirus, and survived. Is that what's going to happen? 
So how will other 74-year-olds feel in this country? Because then the rest of us now have to wonder, did we have to lose our parents and grandparents? Because people over 65 who contract the virus die. So if the president survives the coronavirus, we've got to ask the question, how? Because everybody else who is over 65 who gets the virus dies. They don't survive. So if he walks out and says, hey, it's a miracle. By your prayers, I made it. He's probably going to appeal to the, next, to the group of uh, evangelicals who are probably fasting and praying more than you can imagine right now. And then he's going to come out and say, your prayers worked. No. People stop being brainwashed. No, no, no. If prayers could work, for the coronavirus, a lot of people would not have gotten it. It's the will of God. And you come to that place where when you encounter the will of God, it is what it is. I kid you not. Because there are so many people who have lost grandmothers and grandfathers and uncles and aunts and people whose families have been decimated by this virus. It's going to be a weird thing if the president comes out and says he survives it. Trust me, it's not going to help him going into the elections, and it's definitely not going to help his credibility. People will not believe that he had it in the first place. And secondly, they're going to be even more angry because then if he at 74 with pre-existing conditions survived, then why did their relative have to die? And so it comes to the it comes this morning to this point where we have to ask ourselves what what happens next what what will the next forty eight hours bring? It seems like it's a continuing cycle. Maybe the White House is going to control who announces that they have contracted the coronavirus, but we're gonna know either way because let's be clear, the White House didn't announce that Hope Hicks got it. It was Bloomberg News who announced that Hope Hicks got it. And so the White House had to come out and and stress that, yes, she had been on Air Force One and she had been in contact with a number of people. The way diseases work is that the number of people whom one person comes in contact with, each person infects 10 persons. So it's a super spreader. So when it starts at one person, it extends out to 96 because each person infects the next group and the next group. So people who were around them didn't know they had it, went back home, touched their families, touched their coworkers, touched their staff, touched the people in their communities at the coffee shop, touched the people whom they encountered if they took public transportation like a train or got on a plane. And before you know it, we have what is called a super spreader. The next 48 hours are critical, not just for the president, but for the rest of us to find out how many people actually developed the coronavirus from that Rose Garden event last Saturday. And it is mind-blowing. What's even going to be more mind-blowing is some of these folks start announcing that their friend, their family members, their immediate family members have contracted it. The irresponsibility and the gross unfairness of it. But here's the thing if you put it in context. What they're experiencing is what ordinary Americans have been experiencing for going on seven months. A virus that should never have hit our shores in the first place, hit our shores. A virus that never should have happened. It did not have to happen. It never should have happened. Hit our shores, and we are in seven months of it. 
the alarming thing is that we have the ability to fix it and no fixes being applied because the president is intent on campaigning, even though from all indications, the people are dissatisfied. It has rammed through communities across this country. It has hurt people. It has literally felled us. When you look at the faces of people who are being interviewed on television who have lost loved ones, people who have lost jobs, people who have lost a way of life, they have lost earnings, they have lost their ability to hold on to their homes, to their way of life. And you see the pain and the loss and the hopelessness in their faces. And right now, you want everybody to think well of a president who ignored common decency, had no compassion for the people, had no respect for science or appreciation for the very people who serve him. Even members of the Secret Service complained on Friday how he placed them at risk because of his refusal to wear a mask. And now we have destroyed parts of our country that are not going to recover for a while. The next 48 hours are critical to what happens next in America. Will the elections continue? Yes, because they're mandated to continue. But there's going to be an uproar because if he emerges unable to perform, which is also another political tactic, because it makes no sense he campaigns because it's fruitless, they're out of money, and campaigning is not going to give him what he wants, which is to give him a re-election. He's going to do something else, trust me. Something else is going to happen. If he's at Walter Reed right now, I suspect, between me and you, I suspect that the video you saw yesterday was pre-recorded from Friday when he arrived at Walter Reed. That's what I think. And I suspect that if it's not, if it is not him, then it's a body double. But I feel like the president of the United States is on oxygen and on a ventilator breathing. That's what I feel. And if that is the case, we are in dire, desperate need. The next 48 hours are indeed critical to what comes next. How are we going to move forward? We still have to tally with the coronavirus. We're approaching flu season. People are getting sniffles because the weather changed. It's gone from warm to chilly. There are millions of people who are homeless. Approaching the coldest season of the year and millions of people are homeless. If you are hearing this and you know of a family who has been displaced and are homeless, encourage them to find the homeless shelters in their state, in their city. There are resources to help folks with families. If you have children, they will help you find somewhere to be immediately. So if you know someone who, ha- who is homeless as a result of the pandemic that has shelved their jobs and have robbed them of the opportunity to live on their own, to live independently, to pay their rent, and now they have nowhere to sleep, tell them to get in touch with a homeless shelter coordinated efforts in their city, and they will find 
somewhere to accommodate them, especially where children are involved. As long as the children are under 18, they will find somewhere to put them immediately. It will happen in 24 hours. Please pass this information on. There are so many people. My heart goes out to everyone whose lives have been impacted by the coronavirus. We never talk about what happens to people who have lost loved ones. They're sitting back on their couches right now, watching the White House deflect and deflect and try to stay away from the inevitable questions, like how did the president get it? Who did he get it from? How come he's surviving and tweeting videos and my relative is laid out in a tomb somewhere, laid out in a grave in a box and can never talk or walk? These are questions of accountability. So I say to the White House, be very careful. While you are pontificating and postulating that the president is doing so well, there are going to be questions that will arise after this come January when people will ask what gives because there are millions of people. There's relatives and survivors of the people who have died have questions about the survivability of this president. If he survives this, how come their relatives did not survive? He's 74 years old. People have lost 15-year-old sons, 7-year-old kids. People have lost 25-year-old children. Just recently, a doctor who just graduated med school at 28 years old contracted the virus and died, and she was an emergency room physician. How come a 74-year-old man contracted the virus and is tweeting a video from the hospital? Come on, people. Something is not right. Something is not right. There is something amiss about this. There are going to be questions out of this. And mark my words, when these issues arise, there better be somebody to answer these questions because the people, the will of the people, the people themselves, the survivors, they're not going to quit. There are 7 million people infected with this virus, 7 million people who could not work, 7 million people, some of whom have to be on all sorts of therapies. I know one young lady, 31 years old, contracted the virus and had to relearn to walk. She was 31 years old. It's been four months since she contracted the virus. She spent 41 days on a ventilator, 41 days in a hospital, 10 days on a ventilator. And you're telling me that the president at 74 years old is healthier than a 31-year-old woman? Something is wrong and something is amiss. You better come clean and tell the people the real story of how this happened. You better come clean and tell the people what is real. Does the president really have the coronavirus or does he have a cold or a flu? Tell the story. And how did all those people from the White House event suddenly have tested positive? The fallout is much bigger and greater. The White House is spinning out of control and they're about to lose control of the information right now. Something is gonna happen. It's gonna spill right out. It's gonna spill out. Their efforts to control it is going to be undermined because the will of the people, because they're going to find themselves in the same place that the rest of us found ourselves in, that when it came to the coronavirus, we did not have autonomy and we did not have control. There are people who went to work and did not come back. They did not come back as a result of the coronavirus. There are people who did not see their families for two months at a time. Doctors who worked in emergency rooms, like I told you the story of the 28-year-old physician in Texas who just graduated medical school. She was an emergency room physician, contracted the coronavirus because she went down to the ER to help them, got the virus, and died. How is a 74-year-old man 
tweeting a video from Walter Reed Hospital and he has the coronavirus. There's something wrong with that. Something is not right. And we got to understand, we got to get to the stage where we understand that we need to stop lying about it. We got to understand we need to come forward with the truth. We've played hide and seek and cut and run and fast and loose with the information. People, our children can't go to school. Do you know that a lot of children, not just here in America, but a lot of children across the world, not only has their education become disrupted, but they've been set back by at least a year or two. Do you realize that a lot of children right now are not studying? Do you realize that they are not relating what they have learned? Because they're just going to pass the kids to the next grade level, but that doesn't mean they absorbed anything. What about children who don't have access to the internet? I understand in some rural communities, they're putting the lessons on, on, uh, on TV, on public television, so people can watch it. But what about in certain urban areas where people don't even have electricity because they can't pay the light bill, because they're out of work, and because the light bill is so high? Yeah, think about that. People don't have, did the school system provide units, computers, and laptops? And another thing that has come out of this is laptops. We all know we're not made to run for seven, eight hours a day. So laptops are burning up. The batteries are burning up. So who's going to replace the laptops? Because you're running them for seven to eight hours a day with multiple programs running all at the same time. They're not built for that. The fallout from this, the disruption of people's lifestyles. I have a daughter who should have been on a college campus. Instead, she's learning from home. It affects them. It affects her whole generation, her whole group of people who graduated from high school in 2020 and who don't have the luxury of going on a college campus, some of whom actually went and are now back at home because the virus is out of control. Their parents have said, come home. It doesn't make any sense. Lots and lots of kids. What about professors? Who's, who have been told that budgets at their colleges have been cut because classes have been cut, so they're not going to get paid, some of whom have to look for alternate work come the summer because they won't have any work. The whole system has been upended. All across the country, news anchors are working from home. You know, when the news anchor goes into the studio, it provides work for a number of people, the people who do makeup, the people who do hair, all kinds of producers, all those people are on furlough. All the people who normally would have work in a TV production because a news team is a production, those people are off. They don't have work. This is as widespread as it can be because if you're at home, you can call up your makeup artist. Instead of being around you for four hours, you just need them one time. Put it on, slap it on. I can put powder on it, keep it moving. This has integrated and affected people at every level. This is not a joke. This was taken not seriously. I could never understand the people who have been going to these rallies and without a mask in, in such large numbers. I know that they, they, they're going to get the virus. I know that it's already out there and it's going to come because it mutates. 
the virus will enter your body and it will stay there and mutate for the right time. We have the tools to fight it, but those tools were never applied because our leadership did not take it seriously. And what has happened now is that people have lost lives and income. So now we have to ask, well, what's going to happen tomorrow? This is not a reality show where, what next? We can't play reality show music to people's lives. This is not an episode of The Apprentice. Or is it an episode of some reality on NBC or Bravo where you can literally just wait with their bated breath for what's next on the chronicles of the... No, this is not what this is. The virus is serious and its its intent is to destroy life. And it does that very effectively. And I fear that in the next 48 hours, we're going to learn some critical information. We're going to learn exactly what happened or we may not learn. The more, you know, sometimes they say the cover-up is worse than the crime. The more they cover it up is the more you begin to see that there was something to cover up in the first place. This is serious. And we haven't taken this virus seriously. The fallout from it is almost as if the people around the leadership of this country live in a separate bubble. And their bubble is different from the reality that we face. They live in a bubble where they're inured from the truth and the reality of everyday life. They don't have to worry about homeschooling their kids. They can pay for tutors to come in. They don't have to worry about how is the mortgage going to be paid or the rent is going to be paid. They already have that set aside. They can leave from one area, if like for the people who lived in New York City in Manhattan. They could afford, they had country homes. They took off and left Manhattan and went into, in, into, into surrounding communities in Jersey, Connecticut, and upstate New York to avoid getting hit by the coronavirus. This is the, I have one house. This is my only life. I don't have another house. So when the coronavirus was running rapid, rabbit through Detroit, all I could do was stay indoors, wear a mask if I had to go out to the grocery store, understand that at my age, I am more susceptible than my children are. So pray over them. Make sure when I go out, I strip my clothes when I come back. I had to follow the protocols. I could not take, I didn't have the luxury of thinking that it would never happen to me and it could never happen to me because I'm made of Tesla. No, I didn't have that luxury. I was mindful of its effects on others. I knew that it would impact people who are homeless and who are in shelters. We're not even talking about the number of people in shelters who have, who have contracted the coronavirus and have exposed the people who work in the shelters to the coronavirus. Do we know how the fallout of this has happened? One of the craziest things that I've observed about this is how the Black Lives Matters protests were going to be, were deemed to be a super spreader event. You know that most of the people who were marching had masks on and they had hand sanitizers. We haven't seen any clusters emerge from Black Lives Matters protests. They said that we were going to see cluster, not even the police. The police haven't come out with any clusters of coronavirus having come in contact and such close 
skin-to-skin contact with protesters. The police haven't come out with any virus either. Isn't that weird? Have you thought about that? But people at a Rose Garden event, we have no respect for the dead. The previous justice had just died. Seven days later, you're holding an event to, cor- to, 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 to crown someone else to replace her. And you really think that God was sitting back and not going to deal with it? Less than seven days later, RBG spent a lot of time on the Supreme Court advocating for women's rights and the rights of ordinary people. She died. No respect for her memory or her legacy or what she has done. And you're going to appoint someone who has done nothing, who doesn't have a trail to blaze, who has done nothing to, in the two years and 17 months she has spent on the bench, on the seventh court of appeals in Chicago, she has done nothing. But you're going to appoint someone to replace her. And that event became a super spreader. And people today, lots of supporters are going into church and they are going to to wonder what is going on. I tell you, it's the craziest thing I have ever heard. Because you have to wonder what on earth is going on? What's happening? How did we get to this point? How did we even get to this point that this could have happened? It's simple. We weren't paying attention. It's very simple. We, we, we're caught up. Like this morning, I'm, I kid you not, I'm distracted right now. I'm not even focused because there's just so much that could be going on. And frankly, I'm going to give you this advice. I'm going to leave it in the hands of God. And I'm just going to pray for everybody. I'm going to pray that the Lord God Almighty is going to intervene on behalf of the people, the people who are desperate, the people who have no recourse, the people who don't have millions of dollars in the bank, the people who can't even afford to owe one month's rent, let alone $400 million to creditors, the people who have nowhere to turn to, they have no one to go to, they don't have a rich friend who can write them a check or get them a bank loan to get them out of the situation they're in. I'm going to pray for the people. I'm going to pray for people who need to go into a shelter immediately because they have nowhere to live, lost all their possessions, put out on the street. I'm going to pray for those people. I'm going to pray for people who are like, I'm kind of in the line of fire because I came in contact with someone and I don't know if I don't have it. I'm going to pray for young people on college campuses who refuse to adhere to protocols to make sure that they don't get the coronavirus because, listen to me carefully, when you get it, you're going to go home to mom and dad and to your siblings and to your parents, and you're going to give it to them. And it's not fair just because you want to have fun. I'm going to pray that frontline workers, whether they're police or they're in law enforcement or whether they are people in in medicine, that whomever they come in contact with, this time the coronavirus will pass over them. I am going to pray that senior citizens in nursing homes who are abandoned and forgotten, we drop our parents off literally and have forgotten about them as we pursue our own agendas and our own lives. I'm going to pray for them, that they're not ravaged, 
at the end of their lives by a disease that never should have happened. It couldn't have happened. It should never have happened. We have a lot to deal with. And as we sit back, my God, and think about the next 48 hours, as we sit back and wonder what is next, and we don't even know if God cares. From all we have seen, it looks like God just let this happen. But if God could have fixed it, why did it happen? It was a plague. We weren't listening. Did we ever really listen to God? We've been, it sounds like God was this grandfather sitting in his rocking chair. And anything we asked him, he was just supposed to deal with. So we stopped after a while because you don't have to go up to God for that. So we didn't realize, but we didn't have any communication with God. And now we find ourselves needing God. And we're not even sure if he's going to answer. I want to pray for you that you find your way. Because you need faith and you need an answer for your situation right now. There are people listening to me who say, but Harriet, you're talking about all this happening at the White House. What about me? I need a job tomorrow. If I don't get a job tomorrow, I can't feed myself. I can't feed my family. I have bills to pay that have come due. I have defrayed them. But now they are coming due. What do I do? Some of you are facing imminent foreclosure on your mortgage because it's been six months that you haven't made a payment. It's been five months. It's been four months. Some people are hastening to go file for bankruptcy so they can keep their homes. Some of you are saying, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't qualify for social assistance because I earned too much before. I know I can't find food and I can't get any help to provide food. I'm going to pray for you because you're in need. I'm praying for the people who are in need, for the people who need, not for the people who have, and blithely and dismissively and flippantly ignored the protocols and have caused this massive damage on the rest of us. We are in crisis, and the next 48 hours are going to be critical to how we come out of this. This is a crisis not just of government, but it's a crisis of survival. We don't know who's going to survive. We don't know what's going to come out of this. We have no idea. All we're going to do right now is pray and ask God somehow, somewhere, to take care of the people who are in need, the people right now who are on the street, who have nowhere to go with their children. They're sleeping in a car, running the heat in a car, because they have nowhere to go. The places are closed. They can't get to use the bathroom. They have to go into maybe a Target or a Walmart. The people who just came out of a hurricane, whose lives have been upended by a hurricane in the midst of coronavirus, who are sleeping on the, in a Walmart parking lot. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I come before you this morning. And I humble myself. I ask you to have mercy on the people who are saying, Father, deliver me. I ask you to have mercy on the people who need your help this morning. Not the people who are arrogant. Not the people who have the resources, but would not help others. But the people who are in dire, desperate need. I ask you to have mercy on mothers who have children. On fathers who have lost their jobs and can't provide. 
I ask you to have mercy on the frontline workers who, as they got ready to go to work this morning, they said, Lord, please bring me back home to my family. I'm asking you, Jesus, to keep evil away from us. Be a hedge and a shelter of protection around us. I ask you to provide in a miraculous way for people who are in a hospital right now, who are sick, people who need a miracle. That's who needs a miracle. And Father, I am grateful that you hear our prayers, that you, by your mercy, are looking down and you are seeing the needs of the people. You're seeing the needs of children who should be in school and who can't go to school. Lord God, make a way. Hallelujah, make a way, Jesus. You're seeing the needs of parents who have lost their jobs after months of working from home were notified that they have lost their jobs. People who have no other recourse, there are no jobs available despite what they're telling people. There are no jobs available. No jobs available. Lord God Almighty, we have become so wicked and mean. We hire people for 20 hours per week so we don't have to pay out a lot of money so we can continue to be rich and pay people minimum wage to do maximum work. Lord God, I ask you to surround us with your strength. Give us the victory. Give us the victory. Give the people the victory, Jesus. The people who did not bring this on ourselves. The people who appeal to God to help us out of this crisis. Not the people who brought it on us, but help the people who did not bring this on themselves and give us a way forward. Father, the next 48 hours are critical, so critical that you have blinded my eyes. I can't see. But I thank you in advance that you will give us the victory, even though we can't see. In the name of Jesus, amen. Hey, everybody, thanks so much. Be blessed, everybody. Great Sunday. Be blessed.